The Financial Secretary phone-in with Hugh Chiverton and Peter Lewis. Call us on 233-88266 or email backchat at rthk.hk. Good morning, I'm Hugh Chiverton. Welcome to this special programme between now and nine o'clock. Your chance to question directly the Financial Secretary, Paul Chan, on the budget speech that he delivered on Wednesday. If you want to talk directly to Mr Chan, you can just call us on 233-88266, 233-88266. Or if you can't get to a phone, you can email backchat at rthk.hk, but we will give priority uh, generally to phone callers for direct discussion. We're broadcasting today on RTHK Radio. 3 and RTHK TV 32 webcasting this and it's also on Facebook Live over the next hour, Mr Chan will be listening to your comments and answering your questions on his second budget, the first under the administration of Carrie Lam and contrary to last year's forecast when we talked, there was a record fiscal surplus for 17-18 of some $138 billion the budget this week outlined how some 40% of that would be shared with the community in tax breaks mainly and the rest used for improving services and investing for the future. The Chief Executive says the Financial Secretary fully embraces the new style of governance, the new roles of the government and the new fiscal philosophy that she had set for this term of the government. But some critics say there's too much for the middle class and not enough for the grassroots. Well, you can tell Paul Chan what you think of how he plans to spend what is, after all, your money. Give us a call now on 233-88266. If you get your calls in early, then you'll get a chance for a discussion as well and uh, follow-up questions and so on. So uh, dial now, 233-88266. Peter. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Yeah, good morning, Peter. Um, you said this budget represented a new way of thinking by mm. this government. But I'm mm. wondering, what has changed from previous budgets? Because we have a huge surplus, as we've done most years since the handover, which takes money out of the economy. Every year we see some of that money redistributed to whoever is deemed the priority in that particular year. Each year some of the surplus gets spent on whatever the favourite projects are that year. Previous years it's been infrastructure. This year it's innovation and technology. But there's nothing radically different, is there? Our tax rates, our tax base hasn't changed. So is this really more of the same? Well, I think there are a couple of uh, major changes. Take, for example the role of the government. Uh, The way we see it is that the government is more than just a regulator and public services provider, but it is also a facilitator and promoter in terms of economic development. Uh, That's why you see we have earmarked $50 billion for innovation and technology uh, to promote diversified economic development. Uh, On the one hand, to create wealth for the city and on the other hand to make available more quality job opportunities for young people. Um, of this uh, 50 billion, uh, t- 10 billion is to be allocated to two areas in the innovation and technology sector. Uh, these two areas are artificial intelligences and bio- biotech. Uh, in, in order to promote these two sectors, we need to attract more talents, attract more uh, well-renowned uh, leading laboratories 
and companies to come to Hong Kong, so that we can have a clustering effect of all the related uh, talents here uh, to enable us to uh, strike a success in this particular area. And in order to attract them, uh, we need to provide incentive, we need to provide infrastructure, we also need to accommodate them in terms of bringing some of the, their talents to Hong Kong to work with ours. This is just one example. And when you look at the financial services sector, we have also been taking a very proactive attitude. Uh, say, for example, in terms of the development of the bond market, uh, we are introducing a scheme to encourage uh, issuers who have never issued, who have never used Hong Kong's platform to issue bonds, to come here to issue bonds, because uh, the growth in the bond market in Asia is estimated to be uh, in the order of about uh, 300 billion US dollars in the coming decades, a big market. So uh, for those first-time issuers, we will subsidize up to half of their issuing expenses, uh, provided that they use the professional services here to a, a certain degree and up, and, uh, up to, uh, subject to a cap of uh, 2.5 million per issue. So this is just one of a few of those examples in the economic development sector. And in terms of uh, responsiveness to the needs of the society, I think we are very forward-looking. Take, for example, in the healthcare area, I have asked the hospital authority to bring forward their preparation, planning and preparation for the second 10-year hospital development. They originally planned to do a midterm review in 2021, but now I ask them to advance it because we can see the present demand for healthcare services. Um, I have earmarked out of the fiscal reserve 300 billion for a couple of purposes. Number one is uh, the second 10 year hospital development program, creating Three to 4,000 beds. Uh, also asking the universities to enhance their training facilities, teaching facilities, so that we can recruit more students in the medical and health area. And also uh, to improve the Department of Health various clinics and services. That is another example. The third example could be in the area of service tax. So you have seen that uh, I have not only raised the bandwidth, but also restructure the blending arrangements or uh, reducing the applicable, uh, epi- applicable tax rates in each band to reduce the burden of uh, average salary earners. So these are a few examples. You could argue that that's kind of more of the same rather than something different or something new. We've talked about bond markets. Financial secretaries Mm -hmm. for 20 years have talked about bond markets. Financial secretaries for 20 years have talked about innovation technology with the Science Park and with Cyberport uh, and so on. Uh, And hospitals, you're talking about another scheme. Mm -hmm. We've had phase one, now we're getting on to phase two. So there's not necessarily anything that's very new or very different in what you're talking about. But I think it is also the... It is not just talking but it is action, uh, and that is the difference. And 
in terms of economic development, you cite uh, innovation and technology. We, we just we walk the talk. I mean, we put money to it. Uh, the the uh, ITB Innovation Technology Bureau is going to roll out the details as to how to attract uh, these f- uh, renowned foreign laboratories and universities to come to Hong Kong. And actually, we have uh, conduct uh, engagement sessions with some of these uh, potential laboratories, proactively uh, inviting them to come to Hong Kong uh, to work with us. And we have also had uh, extensive discussions with the local academics here. So I'm uh, very optimistic about having this move on fast. Because mm. another constant theme from the last 20 years, really, um, has been that uh, if you look at GDP growth, if you look at me- very many mm-hmm. measures of the economic uh, situation of Hong Kong, things look good. However... those benefits don't seem to be shared equally by everybody in Hong Kong. There are a lot of people and a growing number of people who are not who are, not, who are losing out, basically, or standing still comparatively, and that all measures of inequality suggest that we're not doing very well um, before, mm-hmm. b- before government measures. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel that it's part of your job to change that? Do you feel that it's part of your job to address inequality and the people who are not are benefiting from the economic success of Hong Kong? Um, I think it may not be very realistic to uh, address that in one single budget. Uh, I think it is a vision for the entire Hong Kong, for, for the government as a whole. So, uh, you know, in the, in the budget, I talk about uh, sharing the foot of economic success, uh, talk about caring and sharing. And the vision is to build a, a just and equitable society. But it is a journey. It is indeed a journey. It requires uh, sustained efforts. At the moment, uh, if you look at the figures, people on CSSA, I mean uh, on social securities, the overall number has been dropping. And it is important for us to provide a reasonable safety net for those in need. So over the years, you have seen uh, improvements to the CSSA, the introduction of low-income family, and also uh, various measures to try to support uh, children in those underprivileged families to have better opportunities in schools. So uh, I think it is important, on the one hand, we grow our economy, uh, on the other hand, to ensure that uh, those in need would be properly taken care of. Um, To move forward, uh, I think we can do more, but has to be in a systematic and measured manner. Because by some estimates, the Mm. the amount that you said you want to return, Mm -hmm. um, 80% is going to the middle class, is going Mm -hmm. to you know, medium and and high tax earners, uh, and only 20% to to grassroots. People, for example, in public rental housing are not really going to benefit if they're not on CSSA. What are they going to get from your budget? Hmm. Well, during the budget consultation, in the, uh, during the budget consultation, we have also received different suggestions and opinions. And some of those suggestions are contradicting. Uh, my role is to to try my best to balance uh, these competing demands. And over the years, the middle class 
have also been experienced uh, substantial pressure. Uh, rental is rising, uh, living cost is rising. So this year, in view of the uh, significant surplus, I try to return some of those collected from them back to them. Uh, I would say that uh, salary earners, average salary earner, uh, get a better payback this year compared to previous years. And for the grassroots people, uh, say, for example, social security payments, we double it. Uh, instead of paying one extra month, uh, this year we pay two months. We also uh, give additional allowance, uh, $2,000 each, uh, for children from needy families. Uh, the total number of people ben- to be benefited is estimated to be in the order of 370000 uh, We also uh, give a one-off additional $1,000 medical voucher for elderly, uh, even seek to pay the DSE uh, examination fees for our students. Uh, when compared this sum with previous years, the grassroots in absolute sums receive more. And the way I say is that most of these people on a regular basis, we have been providing support to them. So we cannot just focus on the sharing of the surplus alone. But you have to look at it in a, total, in a totality manner. And also scatter around the budget, uh, say, for example, in education. We put additional resources to support underprivileged families' children to take part in extracurricular activities. We put a lot more money in sports, in cultural activities. Uh, the idea is to make these opportunities available. Uh, for more people to join. So uh, I think it is only fair to look at it from a broader perspective. Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. If you've got any comment, uh, agree or, or disagree, give us a call, 233-88266. And uh, talk to the man in charge, uh, Paul Chan, because as I said, it's your money that uh, he's <laughs> spending. Uh, okay, our number once again, 233-88266, to talk to the Financial Secretary this morning in our special phone-in. Uh, let's get going. We have a first caller, I think, on the line now. Yeah, and it's Mark. Mark, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Mark. Yes. Um, firstly, I'd, I'd like to talk about electric vehicles today and, in general, the vehicle growth in Hong Kong. So a year ago, you changed the 20-year policy and you imposed this 100% tax on EVs. So the result is, that obviously, we've seen over the last year that we went from about 7% EVs to now just a handful of cars every month. But the growth in petrol and diesel cars continues uncontrolled. In fact, diesel car sales went up 60%. So you said that this was the first step to address the growth in private car numbers. And now a year later, you've got your second step, which is essentially no change. So we've got the same fundamental problem. I mean, a year ago, EVs made up 7% of our new cars. Today, it's just about a third of a percent. So surely it would be more effective to limit the growth of the 99% that are petrol or diesel without stunting the growth of the less than 1% that are electric. So when are you going to address this issue of congestion, pollution, and roadside air quality? Uh, thank you, Mark, for the quick question. I think the numbers you call may be a little uh, misleading uh, because there are some underlying reasons. 
uh, I mean, for the diesel cars, uh, to the best of my knowledge, the Environment Bureau has introduced uh, new requirements as to what kind of diesel cars can be permitted uh, to be on the road of Hong Kong. Uh, this substantial increase in diesel car sales uh, is in fact a clearance of those diesel car stock in Hong Kong before the new regulation come into effect, number one. Number two, the increase in uh, electrical sales this year is more than what you s- see from the statistics. Because I announced the budget uh, last year on February 22nd. Uh, the effective day is March 31st. So in between, uh, there are about 3,000 cars got imported in Hong Kong, electric cars. And those cars subsequently sale, subsequently uh, were sold in Hong Kong. So the statistics uh, has to take into consideration these two factors. This year, for new cars, we maintain the same among of first registration tax concession, meaning that uh, about $97,500 available for people buying new electric car. But we also introduce a one-for-one scheme. For those cars, I mean uh, used cars, meeting the eligibility requirement, uh, people uh, scrap their car, buy a new one, if it is a electric car, they will get a, a tax concession of up to $250,000. So we think this is a more balanced uh, approach uh, to tackle the issue um, so that there will not be, uh, uh, I mean, the, that will encourage people in replacing their cars to try to give priority to electric cars. As to roadside uh, air quality, you rightly point out that it is a very important issue. And that cannot be tackled by uh, electric car policy alone. We have to do this on a multi-plunge basis. The government is seriously looking into it. There are a range of policy options available and a range of measures to be taken. Uh, but this has to be uh, uh, to be better mapped out and articulate to the public. Uh, I think you will list, you will be able to hear more uh, in the coming year. Mark, do you want to follow up? Uh, yeah, I mean, firstly, the statistics I quoted were for the period of April to December. Mm-hmm. comparing those nine months in 2017 mm-hmm. versus the previous nine months mm-hmm. in so eight versus April to 17, mm-hmm. April to December 2016. Mm-hmm. So I think they're comparable. I mean, essentially, the year before, those nine months, there were 7% of the new cars were electric. Last year, 0.3%, less than 100 cars, a handful. I mean, the policy is basically... No, I, I was just... I was, the entire EV industry. I do not agree. I do not agree. I just explained to you the two reasons contributing to those uh, figures. And I think when we interpret the figures, we have also need to look into the reason behind. Uh, in terms of electric car, I think the current policy of introducing 
a larger sum of relief for one for one replacement basis is the appropriate way to go. I do not intend to uplift or to give complete concession for the registration tax for all the new cars. Oh, yes, that I understand, and to some extent I agree with. Um, Regarding the one-to-one switcher scheme, I mean, fundamentally it's a good idea, but the implementation you've proposed seems really doomed to fail. The the problem we see is that, I mean, the scheme is intended, somebody is driving an old car, you know, a 10- to 15-year-old car that's due to be scrapped, and then the scheme will allow him to buy a brand-new electric vehicle, but the problem is that fundamentally somebody driving a 10 to 15-year-old car due to be scrapped or that's failing is not in the market for a brand-new electric vehicle. Okay, Mark, thanks for your call. Our number once again, 233-88266, if you want to call and uh, talk to the Financial Secretary. Could you not have taken an opportunity to go further rather than just tinkering around with first registration taxes? We want to be a smart city, <laughs> yes. um, which requires having electrification of our transport system really so we're Mm. talking about not just cars but we're talking about public light vehicles buses and all the infrastructure around it the charging infrastructure to make sure that we do become a smart city now it's going to be expensive to develop that but we have all these surpluses we have all these reserves why not take that step and really focus on trying to make hong kong a smart city an electric city for, for transport um we announced a smart city uh, development blueprint uh, last year by the uh, Innovation and Technology Bureau. And in fact, the chief executive personally chaired a committee to move this forward. Uh, it is smart city, smart mobility, uh, covering a, a wide range of uh, different policies. Uh, electric car is one area. Uh, uh, charging facilities is part of that uh, particular policy. Uh, Last year, I earmarked about $10 billion for innovation and technology. And according to uh, ITB, about half of it will be used in the smart city uh, development. Uh, The various measures will be implemented one by one, yeah. Okay, once again, our number is 233-88266. I've uh, got a lot of emails, but we will give priority to um, callers as well, so we'll pick up the phone now. And uh, we've got a caller, uh, we've got a, a politician on the line now, I think, uh, t- uh, Ted Hoy, the uh, legislator. Uh, uh, Mr. Chan, if you want to put the earpiece yeah, in. Oh, there we are, okay. Uh, yeah, Ted Hoy, yeah, Mr. Hoy, good morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Yeah, morning. Yeah, this is Ted Hoy from the Democratic Party. We met this morning uh, outside the studio uh, because we're protesting. Yes, we are dissatisfied and people are angry uh, because the, policy, uh, the uh, budget is unfair. It's unfair in that you have a huge, you know, record high surplus of 140 billion, but you are giving out the so-called sweets only to the medium to uh, high income group. And you, you have, you know, tax rebates of 30,000, you know, uh, government rate exemption of 10,000, up to 10,000. But what have you given to the medium to low income groups? They, are no, they don't have any tax benefits. They are not covered by the social uh, security scheme and no subsidies from the community care fund. Have you forgotten them? Do you, have you, uh, do you think that they are less important? So I suggest giving out cash 
to those particular group of people cash of six thousand uh, for those who don't have tax rebates and for those who have only a little like a hundred tax rebates the government pay them the rest so they get an overall you know six thousand dollars level of benefits what do you think about that uh Ted, i heard you actually uh, the democratic party raised this last i mean uh, yesterday in the uh, mm-hmm. special finance committee Yes. And also, I have received uh, different proposals from the other parties, like DAB, mm-hmm. FTU. Um, all the proposals will be taken together uh, mm-hmm. in our. Are you giving out cash? Are you giving out cash to those people? Not all of, not all the citizens, but just those particular class of people. Who are earning, you know, at around twenty thousand? They don't have anything. There are different proposals before me, and mm-hmm. I have explained yesterday and this mm-hmm. morning uh, before you call in when I respond to the question from you. Uh, mm-hmm. Our thinking. So I, I would stop at that. I, I do not want to repeat myself, and you have okay. put your point across. Uh, so you will consider that, right? Okay, Mr. Hoy, thanks very much indeed for your for your call. Once again, our number is two three three eight eight two six six. And this was done in two thousand eleven, Mr. Chen. It, it worked quite well, didn't it? Because um, it gave a big boost to the economy. Most of the money that was handed back was spent um, in the economy. It helped boost uh, sort of confidence. So. Um, wouldn't that be a good way of doing it when you have such huge surpluses? Because ultimately, we know best how to spend our money, don't we? Better than the government does. So mm-hmm. handing the cash back benefits everyone, including uh, those people who don't pay tax in the first place. Yeah. Well, the cash and out back in 2011 was in a different situation. And even at that time, uh, there are mixed reactions from the community. Uh, as to your point about uh, giving out cash to all the citizens, during the consultation stage, no matter it is in the legislative chamber or in the community, there are conflicting views. There are conflicting views. But for this term of government, we want to use the money wisely on a targeted basis. So it is, if the proposal is across the board cash and handout, uh, it is against uh, it is against uh, our philosophy uh, that's why in the budget we try to be targeted to be specific and try to cast the net as wide as possible in fact in the budget I've mentioned about uh, asking the community care fund to come up with measures to relieve the burden of the and not haves. Yeah, that is another example of uh, trying our best to to take care of those uh, in the community. Um, at the moment, uh, by returning uh, the tax money to the taxpayer, uh, also achieve your point about returning the money to the people for them to decide how to to spend. Uh, at the current state of the economy, it, which is quite positive, uh, from an economic standpoint, there may not be very strong reason for us to try to dish out money to try to stimulate the economy because it is 
the basic is still very good. Uh, the idea is more sharing of the foot of economic success. It isn't one of the reasons why you can't do that at the moment is because government spending is going up. We've now moved up to 21% of GDP, so mm-hmm. we've breached that 20% barrier. So isn't government spending starting to uh, go up too much? And is there a level of spending, of a percentage of GDP, at which you would say, no, that, that's too much? For this term of government, this five years, I will take away the 20% cap. Uh, in the past, uh, uh, in the past, the financial secretary, uh, different financial secretary, have has stated that uh, government expend, I mean, public expenditure should not exceed twenty percent of GDP. But on the one hand, we are facing substantial needs to improve our various area of service. Say, for example, healthcare. We also need to be proactive and invest for the future, like innovation and technology, like education. So we need to spend more. On the other hand, when we take a look of the expenditure pattern in the past 10 years, in the past 10 years when I reviewed the figures, total government revenue, tax, land income, stamp duty, all together, is above, in the past 10 years, is about 21% of GDP. And in the past year, we kept spending less than that. So there are surpluses. So going forward, on the one hand, knowing that we need to spend more to invest for the future, to improve the service, to catch up on the undercapacity. And on the other hand, there are the economic outlook in the coming five years is prudently optimistic. We have room to spend more. So this five years, we are going to spend about 21% of the GDP on public expenditure. Okay. Our number, once again, 233-88266. Uh, give a call now. Don't wait till the last minute, because uh, we always get a, a sort of backlog uh, of calls at the end. If you want a, if you want a proper discussion, then uh, call now, 233-88266, and we will give preference, as I said, to callers rather than uh, emailers, because we have a lot of emails. But uh, if at all possible, please do try and uh, pick up the phone. Uh, and we have Mr Choi on the line now. Mr Choi, good morning. Uh, hello. hello. Uh, Mr Choi, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Mr. Uh, good morning Mr Chan. Good morning, uh, everyone. I do have two questions. First question is about the investments on innovative industry. Well, so if uh, all uh, the investments seems to be uh, placed on pure science and engineering uh, research and R and D, and how about social science? How about policy uh, researchers? So, would the government tend to cultivate a culture of think tank? This is my first question. And my second question comes about the financial one. Uh, how about the fintech? So does the government would like, does the government tend to invest on fintech? Because to my knowledge, um, uh, in the mainland, the mainland government has spent a lot on fintech, invest on fintech research. Okay. Mr. Chair? Um Innovation and technology is important, but it is not to the exclusion of social science. Yeah, it is not to the exclusion of science. And in the universities, they also have funding for this different research. Uh, 
uh, the previous CPU, I mean the government also have contracts uh, for different think tanks to bid to conduct uh, research on uh, different topics. This will continue. Uh, on fintech, uh, Cyberport is working very hard on this. And this year, you can see in the budget, we have allocated additional resources to Cyberport to support their uh, their initiative in this respect. And uh, there are unicorns coming up. And, uh, it, and the Hong Kong MA, actually in the fintech area, the Hong Kong MA has launched a supervisory sandbox. So in a secure environment to enable fintech developers uh, to work with the banks to try out their solutions, uh, their initiatives. And the different regulators, the SFC, the insurance uh, authority, also come up with supervisory sandbox, and these are linked together. If there are uh, solutions uh, from the, the uh, fintech developers that can cut across uh, different sectors, this will also be uh, tested in this uh, sandbox in a coordinated manner. Also, the Hong Kong MA is working with the Singapore Monetary Authority uh, to use uh, blockchain technology to handle trade finance uh, transactions. So, uh, also this September, uh, Hong Kong MA will uh, launch a fast payment system, and on this particular platform, uh, the banks and the store value uh, payment operators uh, and consumers, uh, businesses, can use this platform to do instant 24-hour uh, uh, cost bank, cost uh, consumer money payment and money transfer. Okay, Mr. So, Choi, Mr. Choi, are you reassured by this? Plans? Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I do have uh, one follow-up question. One follow-up question for fintech. So, um, so how does the uh, how does the uh, actually SAR government help us as citizens or researchers grab the opportunities of one by one road in terms of uh, fintech? In terms of Baron Road. Uh, I think we I think it may not be very wise to take that because as you know financial uh, services is no national boundary and actually in terms of the bell and row in- initiative uh, the way we see it is in terms of financing in terms of professional services uh, in terms of uh, infrastructure investment uh, Hong Kong and play a key role uh, not just as a service provider but can also be an investor so we are, we are working with the, uh, the financial sector and the different uh, professional services sector uh, to move on uh, that direction uh, say for example uh, promoting Hong Kong as a uh, center for dispute resolution and legal services Okay, Mr. Choi, I hope that helps. Um, once again, our number is 233-88266. Thank you. Bye-bye, Mr. Choi. Okay, next caller on the line now is uh, Peter, all male this morning. Uh, Peter, go ahead. Okay, uh, good morning. Good morning, uh, Peter. Three of you gentlemen. Uh, 
uh, I would like to talk something about race concession, uh, about the property which the financial secretary uh, mentioned about two days ago. And then uh, uh, the financial secretary has mentioned the race concession uh, to all properties, no matter the properties, they are residential properties or commercial properties, or the properties are solely for uh, uh, residential and traveling purpose, or or to rent to earn a rental income, or the property owner has only one one property or has a lot of property, or the property owner is still young and working, earning uh, uh, income, or the a property owner already retired has no more income and has only one property solely for residential uh, and traveling purpose and then uh, and, and the maximum race concession is two thousand and five hundred dollars and then i think i want to draw the attention um, uh, 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 of the financial secretary that um, uh, 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 it is not fair, you know, for uh, uh, those uh, old-age property owners who has only one small flat, for example, 500 or something square feet, and 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 who, who has only one flat uh, solely for traveling purpose, and has no more income, and then uh, 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 still have to pay for the race, and still have to pay for the government rent, and then the house is getting old. And the uh, a, 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 a big depreciation need a lot of repairing expenses, and then every year the old age property owner still have to pay uh, more and more raise because the revaluation of the property property price, which uh, pulls up the uh, rateable value, and then which give a big pressure for those uh, old age property owners. Pete, Peter, can I, can, I, can I just clarify? Are you concerned about the cap, that it's 2,500, or are you concerned about the number of people that this would apply to, that it's applying to too many people? No, I'm concerned about, I think the government, uh, the government should uh, uh, forever uh, waive the raise and government rent for those old age property okay. owner uh, beyond 65 years old and who has only one flat and being, being solely for traveling purpose. Okay, Mr. Chen. Yeah, thank you. Uh, elderly aging over 65 having just one uh, residential uh, property for traveling purposes can be a owner of a luxurious apartment or a owner of a average apartment if we waive entirely the rates across the board for retired people from that sense that may not be very fair so I heard about uh, the elderly's complaint about the heavy burden of rates uh, as explained by Peter that's why that is part of the reason why this year I raised Rebate the, uh, the concession amount to 2,500 per quarter. It translates into a rateable value of about 200,000 a year, meaning that the property in the market may be uh, yielding a rental of about 18,000 a month to 20,000 a month. That takes care of most of the uh, properties mentioned by Peter. So by introducing this enhance the race deduction. I hope it, it goes some way to address the concern of the elderly about the burden of race.
Okay. All right, Peter. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, what I mean is because uh, I only want to draw the attention from the financial secretary that uh, because we are only uh, living in a very small flat, what a luxur- not a luxurious flat, only a flat about 500 or 500 something. Sorry to and interrupt all, you, Peter. And, and, and also, uh, every year we have to, when we have to pay raise and uh, government rent, we have to take the money out from our peanut saving, which we have earned very hard from uh, 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 from from our work from our low 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 uh, because we are low class worker. But but you uh, won't. So Peter, you won't have to pay rates next year, and you're saying that that should be permanent. That 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 sort of arrangement is that right? But not that. But only this year, but what about next year? Maybe when it will come back, then it is not a forever uh, policy. So you are very about the future, whether this concession will continue. So you are advocating a complete abolishment of the rates for the elderly. Because we have a lot of medical expenses and other things when we get older and older. So, So what, could you consider that? I'm sympathetic, but I doesn't appear to me at this stage to be a completely workable proposition, but but I listen. Okay, Peter, thanks for your call. Okay, we, we've, we've got a few callers um, um, lined up, so we, we, we better move on. Peter, I, I hope that helped. Once again, our number is 233-88266. Sonic is next on the line now. Sonic, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chen. I would like to I would like to ask some questions on the tax reduction of the uh, uh, renting house. And do you really familiar with the situation of the lower portion of the middle class? Take myself as an example. My father and mother got divorced when I was in the secondary school. I lived with my mother and sister by renting private housing. However, my mother got ill and lost the ability to work. When she, and also, she is also over 65 already. And my sister and I have the total family income about 40000 per month. Therefore, we get a great pleasure in the expenditure in taking care of my mother and the high rent. And to save the expenditure, I choose to rent back in Shenzhou, but I work in Taiwan. Although I obtained a PhD, it doesn't help me to mobilize up in the mobile, uh, middle class. Uh, a lot of my friends who live in private housing with their parents have similar salary with me, can buy a private housing now, but not me. Uh, since, the ex- uh, since the expenditures of the renting private, uh, uh, public housing save a lot uh, of money for them over this year. And there is tax reduction in their mortgage and the reduction of the properties rate for them. I would like to ask a simple question. My friend and I have similar contribution to Hong Kong economy, but I have to pay a lot of tax and there is no reduction in tax for uh, renting private housing. Is that fair? I know it is not necessary for everyone to own a flat, but it is fair to have a, a difference in sharing of the fruit of the economy because uh, um, it's quite different for us, for the situation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Sonic. I appreciate your hard work and your your contribution to Hong Kong. And I'm also sympathetic of your situation. Uh, in terms of deduction, deduction uh, I mean, uh, al- personal allowances for rental deduction, uh, it is something on my agenda. We are looking at it. Uh, there are some implementation details 
So uh, this year's budget does not contain this, but we are looking at it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sonic. Wish you all the best, Sonic. Oh, thank you. What, thank you. what, what, what was the issue you were talk- the, uh, we were hearing about um, problems with uh, the IT connected? Implementational issues. Implementational issues. What, what are they? Uh, I do not intend to go into details. IT is one, uh, because in terms of the tax uh, calculation, everything now is from the tax return into the computer. Uh, many things interrelated, and also in the tax return at the moment, there is a service uh, trying to calculate the tax amount and then advise back to the uh, taxpayer whether they should do joint assessment or not, this kind of different things. Um, we are looking into the uh, technical details and also the implementation details. So that would be to identify private housing tenants and, and giving them some relief? Uh, I don't think it is appropriate rent. at this stage to engage into a discussion with doubtful details. So uh, You're giving we, us we, little we, hints here. We, just we, we are looking at roughly what it yeah, might we, be. We are looking at it, yeah. With doubtful, de- with doubtful details may... Uh, may be misleading, so uh, we are looking at it. All right, yeah. uh, number once again, 233 uh, I think it's Gavin next on the line. Gavin, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, Kelvin, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Uh, Mr. Chan, you mentioned in your last policy address that Hong Kong should develop cross-border helicopter services. Uh, this is in line with the central government's initiatives to develop general aviation in the Greater Bay Area and also Hong Kong's intentions to remain a a regional aviation hub. Um, Industry has explained that the Kai Tak heliport, which has been zoned primarily for private use as such for over 10 years, is the only suitable site to achieve this aim and has offered to avail it. Um, The main reason being that customs and immigration is available there because of the cruise terminal. However, the Kitech heliport has been earmarked for takeover by the government flying service as an additional base to their existing facility at Cheplak Kok. And the estimated cost for this is 500 million Hong Kong dollars. Um, GFS are also purchasing seven new helicopters at a cost of over 1.5 billion Hong Kong dollars. So whilst other first, to my questions, whilst other first world countries have privatised their search and rescue and police aviation services in order to save public money, and bearing in mind that the private sector has offered to develop Kitak heliport at no cost to the public purse, whilst also accommodating GFS requirements at the site, do you not think that this $2 billion is an unnecessary burden on the people of Hong Kong? Well, uh I think our team has been providing excellent uh, rescue services to the community. Uh, at the moment, we do not have plan to uh, to privatize this. Uh, it is a service uh, provided by the government uh, to our people. Yeah, at the moment, we do not have the plan to privatize it. Gavin. Yeah, well, it seems that everybody else in the world or in the first world countries are of different opinion. I mean, Australia, they're privatised. And the UK are privatised now. Uh, it seems that whilst other countries are moving forward, um, Hong Kong seems to be taking a step backwards. I'm not sure whether they are moving forward. Uh, we are just doing things differently. 
just like some of the countries privatize their airport and put it uh, to a listed company, and we are not going to do that because it is a very important public infrastructure. So I think we do things differently. Uh, Okay, Gavin, thank you very much indeed for your call. Um, we've got a few lined up now. It, almost your last chance, really. If you, if you want to speak to the Financial Secretary, uh, please get your call in now, 223-88266. Nicola is next. Nicola, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Ni- Nicola, Nicola from good morning. Whilst Development Secretary, you were keen to see some development of our country parks. Mm-hmm. Now that you are the Finance Secretary, are you prepared to invest in Saigon Country Park in an environmentally acceptable and sustainable way and forget big projects like bridges just too high are you willing to release some money into Saigon Country Park that would facilitate an educational nature trail at the marine park that would link in with AFCD's marine park visitor centre that will be built later this year in Saigon Country Park AFCD and HAD have no spare cash for the trails to link the visitor centre to the marine park, which are 500 metres apart. Just a small injection of cash would enable abandoned trails, some of them historic boulder trails, to be renovated as nature trails and used for outdoor education for schools and university students and as walking trails for day trippers, both local Hong Kong people and overseas visitors, and just one boardwalk would open up access to wheelchair users and families with strollers. This is the kind of infrastructure project that would be welcome in our country parks. How do we secure such public expenditure? What do you think? Would you like to come on a site visit to Hoi Ha and find out about an environmentally acceptable and sustainable way to invest in Saigon Country Park? Uh, Nicola, thank you for calling in. Uh, as you know, in the previous policy address, uh, the government has set up a conservation funds uh, to try to improve the uh, uh, the uh, to try to improve the facilities and the services available in the country park. Uh, for specific country parks, I would suggest you to bring your proposals to the uh, Environment Bureau. And so that uh, they can take into consideration your proposal uh, in a holistic manner. Okay, Nicola, thank you very much indeed for your, for your call. Uh, we've got a, quite a lot of calls uh, to try and squeeze in in the last uh, seven minutes uh, or, or so this morning. Let's go straight now to, uh, I think it's Peter. Hello? Uh, Peter, hello, good yeah. morning. Uh, hello, um, good morning, Mr. FS. Um, I congratulate you on trying to balance everything, but I'd just like to address two things. One, um, the wide, there's a widespread feeling amongst the uh, uh, the better off com- community that um, uh, a scattergun tactic of, of hand cash handouts is, is totally wrong. I'd like to uh, point out that. Uh, there is simply no appreciation of the asymmetric benefits to those lower down uh, the, uh, the, the financial scale of a cash handout. It's, it's simple, it comes straightforward, and they can use it. Um, but m- most of the better off just don't, just don't uh, agree with that. Um, the other issue which, um, which I'd like to address is treasury management, the appalling treasury management in government, which leads 
of these budget surpluses. They're totally inept at forecasting the actual expenditures and the revenues, but particularly the expenditures in government, despite the, the sophisticated, so-called sophisticated uh, budgeting system. Okay, Mr. Chen. Uh, in terms of the cash, cash and hand, I, I note your point. I think we have discussed this uh, previously, so I'm not going to repeat myself. Uh, in terms of treasury management, I, I don't quite get the point. I think this year's surplus mainly attributable to the substantial increase in uh, land income as well as stamp duty income. Uh, on land income, it is partly because we exceeded the private housing uh, land supply target by 35%, uh, meaning that the original target was 18,000 units. But uh, because of the substantial increase in private developer mod- lease modification cases, uh, which was about 15,500 units last year, I mean this financial year, uh, when you compare this figure, 15,500 to our target of 18,000. Uh, if the government stop at 18,000, the land sale would be very small and not good for the market. That's why we try to put more land on the market to try to increase the supply. So we are because of that, uh, in a way, we are victim of our own success. Uh, and partly uh, it is because of the high land income. Uh, stamp duty, it is because of the uh, very active uh, stock market in the past 12 months. So uh, these two items are indeed very volatile. Uh, and that's why uh, also in terms of uh, public financial management, that could be a challenge. In terms of public spending, the underspending is, is quite small. Yeah. Okay. Peter, thanks very much indeed for your call. Let's see if we can just g- g- get a few more in. Uh, Anna is next. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Anna, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chan. With specific regard to your proposed health insurance policies, if uh-huh. this is a measure to uh, alleviate the pressure of the aging population, why are you leaving it open for insurance companies to reject new policyholders on the grounds of age? pre-existing conditions and to jack up the premiums for older people. I'm not sure how that will help. Yeah, thank you, Anna. This is the first step forward. Uh, it is not entirely uh, it is not entirely meeting uh, the needs of all the Hong Kong people, but this is the first step forward. Uh, you may remember that uh, the original proposal a couple of years a couple of years ago was mandatory health insurance scheme, but it proves to be uh, not workable. So now it is a voluntary uh, health insurance scheme uh, trying to uh, better define the terms and the protections so that when the consumer to buy uh, this voluntary health insurance schemes, uh, they get better protection. And at the same time, we provide some uh, tax deduction uh, for them. Alan, did you want to come back? 
or we'll just see if we can very, very quickly get in. I think Judith Mackay is on the line. Judith? Yes, hello, Judith good Mackay. morning. I seem Judith to have been phoning the programme for many years about this tax business. I think first... You've, you've got ten seconds. Right. Raising tax is the best way of preventing you smoking, and we've made representation. And previous financial secretaries have said quite clearly that tobacco tax is an effective means of tobacco control. I have two concerns for Hong Kong. One is that the World Bank, the Asian Development Bank, have all said that unless you address prevention, your medical expenses, like hospital expenses, will escalate in future. And secondly, I'm really concerned and saddened by the number of deaths that will be caused by a current lack of okay. effective tobacco policy. OK, do you want to just come back on that very, very briefly? Yeah. Judith, we note your concern. Uh, this year, uh, we will not be able to uh, pass any legislation in time to give effect to that. We will consider this next year. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much indeed to all those callers. Sorry we won't be able to uh, fit in everybody uh, there at the end. But many thanks, of course, once again to Financial Secretary Paul Chan yeah, for joining you. us this morning and uh, facing your, your questions and comments uh, on his budget speech. We will continue with our back chat programme, our general discussion uh, of the budget uh, after the news at nine. Please stick around for that. Uh, thank you very much indeed from yeah, uh, Peter you. Lewis and myself, Hugh Chiverton. Uh, leaving you now a quick look at the weather forecast. Many cloudy today. Uh, uh, one or two light rain patches around this morning. The readings at the moment 20 Celsius and the relative humidity is now at 74%. Thanks for listening.